Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Frazzled, the podcast with me, your host, Kelly Swingler. It's lovely to be back with you again. And today I want to talk about resilience versus numbing. Resilience versus numbing. That's what we're going to be exploring today. And as always, hopefully I've got some questions just get you thinking about things from a slightly different way, hopefully a different perspective to help you ultimately, right, to help you be less frazzled, uh, more fabulous. And as always, this is uncut and unedited. It's straight from the mouth, straight out to you. So again, if there is whatever goes on behind the scenes or in the background, we just carry on right? Uncut and unedited straight out to you. So yeah, resilient, resilience, resilience or numbing. We hear so much about resilience, don't we? And I think particularly when we're talking about stress, when we're talking about burnout, when we're talking about mental health, mental health challenges, this word resilient always seems to come into play, right? Resilience ultimately is our is our bounce back ability, right? Our ability to bounce back. If you look at the definition for resilience, it will tell you that resilience is the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties. The capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties. We know that if we get to the point of burnout, burnout can take us years to recover from. We know that toxic workplaces can take us years to recover from. So does that mean if we reach burnout, or we've been in a toxic workplace, that we are somehow less resilient We've withstood, we've been withstanding the burnout, we've been withstanding the toxic workplace, but we know it can take a long time to recover from. So if our bounce back ability from toxic workplaces and burnout takes us longer, does that mean that we're less resilient? We know that as our stress levels rise and our stress levels increase and we become more frazzled and more frustrated and overworked and overwhelmed. We know that our bounce back ability, we know that our resilience can start to take a hit. But ultimately, we also can't know really if we are resilient until we're faced with challenges or difficulties, right? We don't know what our bounce back ability factor is until we're faced with challenges or difficulties. And the fact that we are still st- still here, right? The fact that I'm still here, I'm still standing, I'm still thriving and growing and changing and challenging. I'm still doing all of that stuff. So is the fact that I'm still here enough to demonstrate my resilience? 
So it can have very different meanings, I think, for very different people. And what we see to be resilient in one person, we may not see in ourselves or vice versa. What we deem to be our own resilience may not be the same as other people. I suppose it's a bit like confidence. Can you really measure confidence? What may be a huge leap in confidence for one person may be a tiny step backwards for someone else. So we talk about resilience. We talk about needing to have this resilience in the workplace. We talk about needing to be more resilient with our mental health. We talk about needing to create and build and develop more resilience. But actually, how do we really know if we're getting there? How are we measuring it? How are we gauging it? How are we testing it? And how do we know if we are resilient? If we're never having to withstand or recover from difficulties. If we're, you know, if, if, and some of these people are really annoying, aren't they? But the ones that just seem to breeze through life with no challenges whatsoever. Are they resilient? Do they have resilience? Or actually, do we come, do we, do we become more resilient the more challenges and difficulties that we're faced with? So is it something that we learn? Is it something that we can be taught? Can you teach me how to be resilient? Or is it something that I just have to learn to do on my own every time I'm faced with a challenge or a difficulty? So I want you to consider some of that today. But I also, I've mentioned in this, in this topic, haven't I, right? Resilience versus numbing. So again, if we come back to this definition of resilience, right, the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties. But what if in order to withstand the difficulties, the only way that I'm able to withstand the difficulties is by numbing. What does that do to our levels of resilience? What does that do to your resilience? If we refuse to face the difficulties head on, if we feel unable to face the difficulties head on, and instead we focus on numbing and avoiding are we still resilient? And I have this conversation with lots of people, not just clients, but, you know, myself, family members, friends. The closer that I began to get to burnout, the more that I was kind of becoming fueled, really, by sugar and caffeine and alcohol. I've never been a coffee drinker, ever. But in those months before my final kind of burnout crash, if you like, I was fueled by coffee. 
my alcohol consumption was increasing. The sugary foods, the cakes, the, you know, I'd get to the station in the morning and be like, right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have a pastry and I'm going to have a coffee. Whereas beforehand, my breakfast had always been quite healthy and I would just have had, you know, a smoothie or a herbal tea in the morning. I was also avoiding all of the signs that my mind and my body were giving me that things needed to change. I was avoiding the digestion issues that were occurring. I was ignoring the headaches that were occurring. I was ignoring the fatigue. I was ignoring the change to my sleep patterns. I had excuses for it all, but I was ignoring it. And I was then using sugar or caffeine or alcohol or cigarettes to numb. If I'd had a stressful meeting, I wouldn't necessarily process the stress. I'd go out and have two cigarettes. If I'd had a stressful day at work, it would be a quick, maybe a, a pint after work or a drink on the train all the way on the way home or a drink when I got home. If it had been a particularly stressful morning, I might be out for lunch with colleagues and I might have a glass of wine with my lunch. And quite a few cigarettes and unhealthy food. If I found my head going to the point of worrying about anything that was happening around me, I'd be online shopping, I'd be buying the new handbag, the new shoes, the new suit, the new makeup, the new jewellery, booking my next holiday, anything that was a distraction technique, anything that would numb what I was feeling. The shopping was happening more and more. Some months I had, you know, kind of almost spent my salary before it even hit the bank, right, when I get paid, I'm going to buy that and I'm going to buy that and I'm going to buy that and I'm going to do that. I'm going to take the boys here on a day out and I'm going to, I'm going to do, 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 do. Had all these things. All of it was a coping mechanism. All of it was a numbing mechanism. It's like I needed the Friday night to myself to decompress from the week. I needed to go out and get really drunk on a Friday because it was Friday. Needed to just decompress. And of course, I wasn't I wasn't really decompressing. I wasn't dealing with any of the stress. So I'd then wake up on Saturday with a hangover and have, you know, the weekend to be spending with my sons doing the family stuff. That's not great. Whilst, you know, if you're in hangover state, is it? That's not great if you're not feeling particularly great. It's not great if you're avoiding all of the stuff that's happened. But I could argue, again, if we go back to this definition of resilience, I could argue that all of that numbing that I was doing was allowing me the capacity to withstand the difficulties that I was faced with. But can we really call it resilience if we're numbing? Because if we're not dealing with the difficulties as they come up, can we truly recover from them? 
if we're hiding from them or we're trying to ignore them or we're numbing from them, can we really argue that we're resilient? And I think a lot of us try different coping mechanisms and it's not always drinking or shopping or smoking. Sometimes it might just be avoiding. If I don't talk about it, it's not happening. If I box it up, and leave it at the office, I can pretend it's not happening. Or if I box up some of the challenges that I'm experiencing at home and don't deal with them, I can pretend that they're not happening. Or maybe you're becoming overly competitive. Or maybe it's, in, you know, you're doing something in your relationships that you wouldn't normally do. Or maybe you're becoming obsessed with something else. Maybe you're exercising too much if you can exercise too much, but you, you know what I mean? Maybe you're becoming overly competitive. You're pushing your body to breaking point because if you can get that next personal best or you can lift those weights more or you can run faster at the next competition, then that becomes your goal. And again, it allows you to ignore all of the other stuff that's happening. Because I wonder if for a lot of us, when we say we are resilient, actually what we mean is we're just really good at numbing. We're really good at finding perhaps somewhat unhealthy coping mechanisms and unhealthy patterns that allow us to keep going. What is your go-to if you've had a really challenging day? What is your go-to if you're having a really challenging experience? What is your go-to if you need to recover from a difficulty? What's your go-to if you're having to withstand a difficulty? And is resilience just about using whatever resources we have to help us get through it? So does it matter that some of us are numbing or coping or or in a very different way or avoiding? Because again, if we look at the definition, the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties... If a bottle of wine a night or a few pints a night or a donut or a packet of donuts or a biscuit or a packet of biscuits or a marathon. As in the run, not the chocolate bar or that Snickers now, is it? That's showing my age, isn't it? But if those techniques, whether unhealthy or healthy or toxic or not toxic, or however it is that we want to do it, if it's those things that are allowing us to keep on going, whether it's numbing or not, does that still mean that we are resilient? Well, I am resilient because, you know, I drink a bottle of wine to get me through. I am resilient because I do this to get me through. I am resilient because I do this to get me through. If, if, if whatever we're doing is giving us the capacity 
to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties? Can we all say that we're resilient? And again, we probably won't know that, will we, until we come through the other side. But ultimately, we're all still here. We're all still moving through it in the best way that we can. So are we overusing the word resilient in our workplaces and with our teams and trying to teach people something that actually we just can't teach? Because it's something inbuilt within us and we will all have our own way of doing it. It doesn't talk about resilience being the capacity to healthily withstand or to recover quickly from. It doesn't say that resilience is facing things head on. It doesn't say that resilience is not numbing. It doesn't say that resilience is using our inner capacity or our inner strengths. The definition of resilience just says the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties. If it takes you a bottle of wine to do that, does that make you any less resilient? If it takes you a new handbag to do that, does that make you any less resilient? If it takes you a, an, an aggressive outburst or a verbal outburst in order to get through it, does that make you any less resilient? It doesn't say in the definition that we have to do it calmly or healthily, or slowly, or kindly. It doesn't say any of those things. The definition just says the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties. I don't really know many people that will never, ever have faced a difficulty in their life. Be it a failed exam, a failed driving test, falling off our bike as we were young children, learning to walk learning to run, learning to do our times tables, failed relationships, ended relationships, driving tests that we didn't fail, degrees that maybe we struggled with, not getting a job at an interview. We will all have experienced difficulties, family difficulties, difficulties with friends, difficulties with health. So surely we could all just say that we're all resilient because we've all, we're all still here. We've all come through it. So why are we focusing so much on building resilience in the workplace? And are we focusing on building resilience because it takes the pressure away from what we actually need to change? Is the word resilience and everything around it more of a sticking plaster to allow us to avoid the things that we genuinely need to change? Because I think we're all resilient And whether we do that through numbing or avoiding or we just sail through it or we do whatever it is that works for us. Is the focus on resilience in the workplace an avoidance or numbing technique for the things that genuinely need to change within the workplace? I would love your thoughts on this one. I'm going to leave you there for today. I'm going to say thank you very much for joining me again. Please do share this one. Please do share it with anyone. I'd love to know your thoughts on this. I'll be back with you again next week for another episode. Take care, have a great week and I'll be back with you again next time.